It's the final countdown. No, this isn't about a Rocky movie. It's a baseball podcast. We're nearing the end and the beginning. Are you ready for what's coming our way? Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. Are you aware of the fact that there are only three days remaining? Three days until the Fight Laugh Feast Conference, the third annual Fight Laugh Feast Conference. I know you thought I was talking about baseball, three days left in the regular season. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But there are three days until the conference. The conference will begin on Thursday, October the 6th, and run through Saturday, October the 8th. It is going to be held in Knoxville, Tennessee. And the theme of this third annual Fight Laugh Feast Conference is... Lies, Propaganda, Storytelling, and the Serrated Edge. And even though there's only three days, there is still time to register for the entirety of the conference or just for the Saturday portion of the conference. And if you cannot make it to Knoxville, if you are a Fight, Laugh, Feast club member, you will have access to the live streaming of the entire conference. If you're familiar with what goes on at these conferences, you likely already know some of the great speakers that will be there. If you're less familiar and you're more of a sports fan, one of the speakers at this year's conference is Jason Whitlock. I believe he will be speaking on Saturday. Again, three days, Fight, Laugh, Feast, Knoxville, Tennessee, Thursday through Saturday. But we're not only reaching the final countdown for the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference, but obviously for the Major League Baseball regular season. Three games left. Postseason begins on Friday. And one team in Major League Baseball has had a two-decade countdown. And the countdown has finally ended. And what they have been striving for has finally arrived. What a lot of anxious folks out here at the ballpark. 3-2 to count. The pitch from Acevedo. What a spectacular end to that game and thus ending a 21-year drought for the Seattle Mariners. The longest drought of failing to make the postseason in professional team sports. And it has ended. The Mariners are in the American League playoffs. In the National League this past weekend, we had playoff-like atmosphere in Atlanta. The Braves hosted the Mets for three games. The Braves won all three games. They beat Jacob deGrom on Friday, Max Scherzer on Saturday, and Chris Bassett last night. Bassett only made it two and two-thirds innings. What a series for the Braves, and what a series for this guy. 
3-2, and he swings and drives this one to right center field. It is deep. Did he do it again? Yes, he did! Dansby Swanson, third straight game against the Mets with a homer, this time early, and Atlanta leads 1-0. So that was number 25, home run number 25 for Swanson on the season. But as you heard, the third night in a row, homered on Friday against the Mets, Saturday against the Mets, Sunday against the Mets. And that's impressive. But it goes beyond that because not only did Dansby Swanson do that for the Braves against the Mets, but so did Matt Olson. He homered Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. And with that sweep of the series, Atlanta is now in first place. They have a two-game lead, which means in order not to win the National League East, they would have to get swept these final three games, and the Mets would have to win, sweep their final three-game series. Right now, Atlanta has 100 wins, and the New York Mets, 98 wins. And I know some people are going to say the Mets choked, the Mets blew it, the Mets gagged, whatever it might be. But the Mets might win 100 games. If they take two out of three, they're going to win 100 games. I don't think it's fair to say that the Mets gagged. I think you have to give the Atlanta Braves credit where credit is due, not only what they've done over the last month or so, but what they did over this past weekend. So now let's look at what's going on in the postseason. I believe it's basically set. There may be some movement in the wild card rankings, but I'm not even sure about that. So in the American League, the New York Yankees have clinched the American League East. They have three games remaining at Texas against the Rangers. They will have a bye in the first round of the playoffs, the wild card round, which begins Friday. The Cleveland Guardians have won the Central. They finished their season against the Royals. They will, as it stands now, and again, this could change, they will play the third wild card seed in the American League, which right now is the Tampa Bay Rays. They will begin on Friday. Houston, who has won 104 games, I think we lose sight because of what the Dodgers have done, and we'll talk about that in a minute, how good the Astros have been. They finish up against the Phillies. That could be a huge series for both Philadelphia and Milwaukee. But Houston will also have a bye. Right now, the number one wildcard seed is Toronto, and I I think that, well, they will. They will remain that, barring a, a collapse. They finish their season at Baltimore, As it stands now, they will take on Seattle. Seattle plays at home against Detroit to finish their season. As we go to the National League, as I mentioned, Atlanta now in first place in the NL East. In order for the Mets to win the division, they have to win their final three games, and the Braves would have to lose their final three games. So it looks like the Braves are going to have to buy, and that is huge. Because whoever does not win the NL East, and right now it looks like the Mets, have to play in the wild card series, and then immediately after that, face the Dodgers, who will be well-rested because they have a bye. St. Louis has won the NL Central. They finished their season at Pittsburgh. They will play, as it stands now, the third wild card seed. Well, that'll be the case regardless, but as it stands now, it is the Philadelphia Phillies. The Dodgers have a bye. They finish out their season in Colorado. As it stands now with three games left, the Dodgers have won 110 games, the most in their club's history, their franchise history, the third most in National League history, the first time in well over 100 years that a National League team has won 110 games or more. 
1906 Chicago Cubs won 116 games. And think about how impressive that is and then add to the fact that it was only a 152-game schedule. And also in 1909, the Pirates won 110 games. So in the National League, the situation as it stands now is that the wildcard teams would be the New York Mets and the San Diego Padres, those two teams playing together. Though Philadelphia could overcome San Diego, and that could change. Right now, Philadelphia has a two-game lead over Milwaukee. The Brewers have lost some very tough games recently, and now they're in a situation in which they have to sweep at home against the Diamondbacks, and they need the Phillies to be swept by Houston. Now, Houston, because they have a break, Houston is getting themselves prepared for the postseason by pitching their best pitchers because they're going to have that bye in the first round. So still some things to be decided, but it looks like as we count down to the final three days, things are settling in place for each of these teams. Now, not only is there a lot of counting down going on in Major League Baseball, but a lot of counting up. And we wonder, what will the final numbers be for this man? And the 3-2. Drill deep to left field. This could be it. See ya. He's done it. Number 61. He's been chasing history, and now he makes it. He and Roger Maris are tied with 61 home runs. The most anybody has ever hit in a single season in American League history. So that was Aaron Judge on Wednesday at Toronto. As you heard there, hitting home run number 61. He has been stuck at 61 since then. He obviously needs one more to pass Maris, to to pass the Yankee record, to pass the American League record for home runs in a season. The Yankees play three games in Texas. So Judge is looking to hit one more home run. He has struggled a little bit. I watched his at-bats yesterday, and I saw at least three pitches that he missed. I'm not saying they should have been hit for a home run, but they should have been hit hard, and he fouled them off. But I think he'll do it. Now, his pursuit of the triple crown in the American League, I think, is going to be even more difficult. Right now, Luis Arise with the Twins is batting three fifteen, and Aaron Judge is batting three eleven. I think that's going to be a tough thing to accomplish, but we have three days to watch and see if he can pull it off. Both home run number 62 or maybe beyond, and whether he can come back in the batting average situation and pass a rise and win the Triple Crown. Another man who is counting up and continues to count up is Albert Pujols. He hit home run number in his career, 702 on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Pirates in the third inning. That is 23 home runs on the season which is impressive at age 42 and impressive given what had been going on the last few years of his career. He also yesterday tied Babe Ruth, second most all-time RBIs, 2,214. He's not going to catch Hank Aaron. He ended with 2,297, but nonetheless, very, very impressive. How many home runs, career home runs, will he end with? We don't know. Three games left, he could add to 702. Here's something interesting that I read yesterday. The first at-bat that Albert Pujols ever had at Bush Stadium, which was April 9, 2001, he hit a home run. His last at-bat at Bush Stadium in the regular season was yesterday. He hit a home run. And all of this brings us to the fact that there are only three days left before voting has to take place for things like Most Valuable Player, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and the like. 
Sometimes people don't realize that those votes have to be cast prior to the beginning of the playoffs. So those awards will be known, while they may not be known generally, and we definitely won't know them until after the postseason, but they will have been decided as the writers cast their votes between the end of the regular season and the beginning of the postseason. Now a couple of other men are counting down, counting down their time as managers of a particular team. Don Mattingly, this was reported actually a little over a week ago, Don Mattingly and the Marlins have decided to part ways. So Mattingly has three games left as a manager of the Miami Marlins. I believe he might step away from the game for a time, but he will be back. On the other hand, Tony La Russa is expected today to have a press conference and announce that he is stepping down as manager of the Chicago White Sox. He's got a year left on his contract with the White Sox, but has had some serious health issues. And for La Russa, unlike, in my opinion, Mattingly, this will be it. He's already in the Hall of Fame as a manager, but he will be done. These two men have spent decades in this game. And they have been spent decades doing very well. Mattingly, obviously, one of the best players of his day, a very highly respected man as a coach and a manager. Tony La Russa, who has managed for decades, and as I mentioned, already in the Hall of Fame. And they are a part of a game that, like so many other things in life, is changing. Some of the changes taking place are for the better. Others, maybe not so much. I, 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 my job as a baseball player is to get on base and help my teammate. You know, like I tell everybody, I was not the best teammate in the locker room. By far none. I didn't like anybody in the locker room. I wanted to be by myself. But on the baseball field, I was the best because I could have swung at everything. I had opportunities to swing and not give Jeff Ken or the next person behind me the opportunity. And being on that field is your job is to keep that line moving. Yeah. Keep that line moving and keep the pressure on your opponent. And me and Alex, as close as we were, if we were on the field playing against each other, we'd try to kill each other. And then we'd go off the field and we might stitch each other up and say, it's okay, brother. But (laughs) nowadays, man, it seems like everybody's friends and it's weird. It's like, I'm not used to that. Like, we were Spartans, man. We were like gladiators. Just like we love each other, but at the same time, I would I would spike Alex in a heartbeat if I had a chance to <laughs> knock him out. <laughs> you're looking you know, here because I would knock you out. Barry, thank you for joining us. We really had fun with this. Before I address what Bonds mentioned in that clip, that was part of an interview that lasted somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 minutes or so a week ago Sunday on K Rod, which is Michael K and Alex Rodriguez, where they interview people during the course of the Sunday night game. Great interview. I highly recommend you look at it. A lot of things that Bond said in that interview that I that I really enjoyed. And something he said kind of in passing in that clip you just heard is about how he hated his teammates. Well, he didn't say that. How he was a bad teammate, and he didn't want to be around anybody in the clubhouse. Well, I will say this. There are actually two guys, one at the beginning of my career in the major leagues, one at the end of my career. At the beginning, both the beginning and the end were with the San Francisco Giants. At the beginning, I had a teammate, Will Clark, who could be a bit surly. At the end, Barry Bonds. Both of these men, I have to say, treated me exceptionally well. I have nothing bad to say about either one of those men in the way they treated me. And for two years, 1995 and 1996, at home, I sat two feet away from Barry Bonds every single day because my locker was right next to his. So I just want to put that out there because I know both Will Clark and Barry can be considered certain things and and to, to a large degree, they deserve it. And Barry even says so. But 
to a large degree, I think that people don't see who these men really are. But that aside, two things he said there, that we might be seeing the final countdown. We might be seeing them fading away. The first thing he mentioned is that the team comes first. It's about the team. It's about winning baseball. It's not about self. And one of the things that I've enjoyed so much about both Aaron Judge and Albert Pujols this year, Judge doing what he is doing and pursuing the American League record for home runs in a single season, Pujols becoming only the fourth player in Major League Baseball history to hit 700 or more home runs, is that when you hear them in the interviews, though they're doing things that are remarkable, they constantly talk about the fact that this is about the team. This is about helping us win this game. This is about winning a World Series. That's the way it ought to be. The other thing that Bonds mentioned was a tenacious competitiveness. That is something that I think we're losing a bit of because even from youth baseball on, so much of the focus is on me. How hard can I throw? How far can I hit a ball? How fast can I run? And all of those things are important. That's not the problem. The problem is it's a personal showcase for Mark Dewey, whether I'm 12 or 18 or 22 or whatever the case may be. And that tenacious competitiveness is something that is needed in baseball if the game is going to be as great as it has been. And I sure hope, I sure hope we're not seeing the final countdown in those areas. I do believe, however, that an era has passed us by. And I was reminded of this about 10 days ago or so, when a former neighbor, he lived right across the street from me, Steve Gross, posted pictures. Pictures from 1976. Steve and I are the same age, so we were both 12. Now, where I grew up in Jenison, Michigan, I grew up on, in a you know, suburb on a road with houses one next to another. And Steve Gross and his family lived directly across the street from me. But behind his house at that time was a wide open field. Now it's a neighborhood. But at the time we were growing up, it was a wide open field. And we would go out with a lawnmower and we would set the lawnmower at a low setting and mow the infield. Then we would raise it up some and mow the outfield. And then the natural growth of the grass would be much longer. And so we had our infield, we had our outfield, and then if you hit a ball that bounced into the long grass, it was a ground rule double. If you hit a ball on the fly into the grass, it was a home run. And I spent far, far more time on that field than I did on any Little League fields, and I played Little League every year of my life. We were out there all the time. But in the pictures that he posted, I was just shocked that he still had them. And I, and I thanked him for showing them and said, these bring back wonderful memories. Again, I was 12. This was the summer of 1976. But as you look at this picture, you see people, I'm going to say maybe as young as 8, and others as old as 18. And you see a lot of us. So basically, 8 to 18 playing baseball together in the neighborhood. And this was very common. Often in the summertime, after breakfast, we would go out there. And not everybody would be out there all day. But somebody would be out there most of the day and oftentimes a bunch of us, and we played baseball. As I mentioned, far more baseball played on that field where we mowed it than on Little League fields. And I believe that that is something that probably has passed us by. I don't see that anymore. And not only did that 
have a huge impact on my baseball career. Not only playing baseball with my neighborhood friends in Jenison, Michigan, helped me become a major leaguer. Even more importantly, it developed me as a human being. When you have that broad of a range of age, a broad range of athletic ability or a lack thereof, when you have an argument over whether he was out or safe, whether the ball went into the grass and a fly or bounced, you realize that you can argue all day long, but at some point in time you say, you know what? We can stand here and argue and not play baseball, or we can figure out how to settle this argument and get back to playing baseball. So again, it brought back wonderful memories for me and also made me think, you know what? I think those kind of times have passed. I would love to see them start up again, but I'm not confident they will. Now, staying on the theme of this episode, but switching gears significantly, I have to tell you that we may be in the final countdown of In the Bullpen and the episodes that come each Monday. Now, it is my intention, and I believe I've worked things out so that it can be so, that I will continue dropping an episode every Monday until the World Series is over. But after that, things are very uncertain. If you listen to this podcast, you may have also listened to In the Bullpen Up and Ready, which were biblical exhortations, four to six minutes in length, that I released every Monday through Saturday, six days a week. I released the last one of those on August 31st, thinking that I might be able to pick them back up in October. I've not been able to do so, and I'm not going to be able to do so. Now, if you are familiar or not, there are about 400 of those biblical exhortations going back to April of last year. But now what I'm doing is waiting to see, will I be able to resume both this podcast in the bullpen and the biblical exhortations in the bullpen up and ready? Will I be able to pick them back up in 2023? I don't know. If you listen listen to either, and obviously you're listening to this podcast, this episode anyway, you know that at the beginning I say it's sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. That is a ministry that I'm involved with. It is a ministry that has allowed me to do this podcast and the Up and Readies over the last couple of years. We have a website. It's at developingcontendersministries.org. I would ask that you would go check it out. And after looking at it, if you think that what the ministry is about, what we're trying to do is a worthwhile endeavor, and if you think that it is worthy to support the ministry, know that in doing so, you will also support the possibility that In the Bullpen will continue or resume in 2023, as will In the Bullpen Up and Ready. Now, there are many puzzle pieces that need to fit together for both of these things to continue. Will they? Well, that's a great question. And it's a question that I don't have the answer to. But however uncertain I am of what the future holds as it regards this podcast or the Up and Readies, I do know the one who holds the future in his sovereign and holy hands. And I pray that regardless of what happens, the name of King Jesus would be praised in this situation and in every situation. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for listening.